Systematic Saturday. Yes. Mm. It's a fave. Stay with us. So, this is the third podcast we're doing in one afternoon after fourth. FR- fourth. Ooh. <laughs> the running of a dry. Shoo. All right. I'm not running dry. I can do this all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like the sound of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hey, um, we want to uh, think about a topic. Uh, and uh, Nick wants to talk about children. I wanted to talk about two kingdom stuff, but he wants to talk about children. The Baptist theology of children. Yeah. He's the he's the pra- you're like the practical systematician. Yeah. I guess I, I've got a lot of reform guys in the church, and also I'm just there's a few criticisms that have always just stuck out. Yeah. They, they almost it's almost like if I had to think back to my Bible college days, mm-hmm. just in critiques offered by respecters who lecturers who I respected so much. Yeah. And one of them was, Baptists have no theology of children. Yeah. Wow. That's a huge critique. And yeah. so I think it's worthwhile even just sharing some thoughts. Yeah, totally. Do we have a theology of children? What is the Baptist theology of children? Yeah, totally. I believe that babies are human beings. <laughs> I believe that they're born of women. They don't arrive with a stalk. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's very important to emphasize that. And the hominids. <laughs> we are descended from Adam. Yeah. Babies are born under the curse. And that's pretty much all we got. <laughs> no, no, there's definitely more. No, so they die in, in infancy on account of the fall and sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they are federally incorporated into Adam's sin. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that they are born in the kingdom of Satan. Mm-hmm. And must be born again. Mm-hmm. They uh, will have to be saved, like every other human being must be saved mm-hmm. by the sovereignty of the Spirit working through regeneration, which brings us to faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in a different form of salvation, which is theologically formed, uh, inferred, but not the, not distinctly articulated in the Scripture. Yeah. So we don't assume them to be elect and regenerate. Right. Um, and uh, we believe. I think you and I agree on this, that if a child gives a credible confession of faith for whatever age they are at, mm-hmm. we would probably baptize them. Right, which is a mistake that a lot of um, pedobaptists make in that they, they talk about it as if we wouldn't ever do that. Yeah. Yeah, which is... So, um, so I guess here's the side I've been thinking about, and um, we haven't put anything in our constitutions yet, but how you know in the early church, we've admitted that your baptism, remember Synecdoche? Mm-hmm. Your baptism is your membership. Mm-hmm. That was the time you believed. That was the time you, you called on the, the name of the Lord. That was the time you publicly confessed. That was right. the time that you set yourself apart from the world. That's the time the church set you apart. And the church, with its own hands, through the representative hands of the elders, added you to the visible body of the church through baptism. Right. Ideally and speaking, that's how it Ideally yeah, speaking, yeah, it's yeah. all yeah. A, right. a package deal. So what about children? If yeah. we're happy to uh, baptize children... Are we happy to make children members of a Baptist church? And so here are, here are some thoughts as we try and hammer out a theology of children. And I don't think we're going to be able to do an exhaustive theology of children, but mm-hmm. let's just focus on this aspect. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yes, I believe that children should become members of the Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And then the first question that comes up, or a couple of questions that naturally arise are, do they get to vote? Mm-hmm. So should they participate in church disciplinary hearings? Should they decide on how the finances are spent? Another question that comes up is, do they get disciplined? So here are some, some, some responses to that. So we include them as children. Mm. Now, that's, that may sound ridiculous. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> yeah. So if they have Christian parents mm-hmm. and they get added to the church, then we expect them to be children under their parents. Mm-hmm. And so the parental discipline will be the first line of discipline that they have to submit. Family solidarity principle. Exactly. So the yeah. family is not being uh, sidelined. The family is not, we're not ruling the family out or marginalizing the family in mm-hmm. any way. We want to honor the fact that God has given parents to these children, mm-hmm. and we want to empower those. Uh, we want not empower, they're already empowered by God's stewardship, the fact that he has made them parents in the first place. Yeah. We, we want to support their parenting role For and sure. authority. Yeah. And so I suppose the way that I would think about it is gleaning a principle from an Old Testament law. When a son was extremely rebellious in the Old Testament law mm. and would and beat his parents and do terrible things, then the elders of the community and the community would be called in to stone that child. Mm. And, and so I, I guess it would only be in those most extreme situations that, mm. that church discipline would even come into it. Mm. And then when you think about um, just in terms of responsibility of children, so just think about how you bring up a child, your own child. So mm. before they're teenagers, you're not, you're not burdening them with the financial decisions that you have to make exactly. as yeah. parents. Mm-hmm. You're protecting them from uh, you know, the sexual exploits of sinful brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not involving them in, in, in deep church disciplinary discussions. You're not, you're not burdening them with the technicalities of, of the, uh, the confession of the church and constitutional issues and buying new church buildings. So up until the age of around 13, we probably would expect them to be at home with a babysitter while the parents come to church membership meetings. Mm-hmm. But then when we begin to incorporate our children into adult life and begin to mentor them towards their adult responsibilities in the teenage years, mm-hmm. we could expect them to sit on, on certain meetings. Mm-hmm. And maybe where there's a sensitive uh, issue that may be dealing with uh, pers- uh, personal information, which may result in gossip, which we want to avoid, we may mm-hmm. keep them away from those meetings. Totally. But uh, we would want to let them sit in on the adult conversation, yeah. though not have voting rights, because yeah. they can't vote for the, for the president of their country. And so we're not asking them to vote at this point. That's a great analogy, yeah. I mean, you're basically just replicating. I mean, well, not replicating, but it's just it's the way we would process, process membership anywhere else. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, citizenship at, at some level. Yeah. And so then when they hit 18, they've, they know how the church works. They've, they've, they've had a good inside view on how the family of the church works. And now they become, like adults, contributing members uh, of the household. Yeah. So they get to vote. Um, if they get a job, they're expected to tithe. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. All, all mm-hmm. those other things uh, definitely come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's an important aspect of our theology of children. Mm. Um, we could say a couple of other things like we don't dedicate. Yeah. We don't do uh, baby blessings. Yeah, you, <laughs> don't you do that anymore? Not anymore. I heard that Fred Malone did in my interview with him. Did you hear oh, that? I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, blown so, away. Because that was interesting to me because, um, yeah, I suppose like, 
Because <laughs> I remember the first time we talked well, about explain it. what a baby blessing service okay, is. Okay, so like, okay, baby dedication, uh, dedication first of all, um, I mean, that's typically done in Baptist Union kind of, you know, not necessarily yeah. Calvinistic So, so Hannah churches. dedicated Samuel to the Lord in the so Old Testament as a lifetime Nazarite. Therefore, therefore baptize your, uh, dedicate your baby. And it's really just, we need a nice sentimental ceremony like the Presbyterians <laughs> have. So let's try and find something. Um, so obviously we, we don't go with that. Um, and then I suppose the the baby blessing idea was much more um, plausible in that it's not wrong to give thanks for new life and yeah. to, you know, pray for blessing. I guess um, the thinking, uh, and T.E. Watson, who died, he's dead now, he said this. He said, look, common sense teaches that in every culture you celebrate the important moments in life. You've got mm -hmm. weddings, mm -hmm. which is public. Mm -hmm. It's a public celebration. Mm -hmm. there's a, you know, there's there's an event. Mm -hmm. There's a formalizing aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Funerals. Mm -hmm. You don't do funerals in the dark. You don't just do it privately. Mm -hmm. It's a public thing. Yeah. And there's a there's a ceremonial aspect to it. Yeah. Babies. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. yeah. And, and so he he using common sense, not yeah. scripture. Well, right. he tried to use some scriptural principles. Yeah. And he used Jesus uh, when the parents brought their children to yeah, him to be blessed. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And look, insofar as it goes, I suppose the the issue for me has always been okay well it's always been a regulative principle thing for me yeah. at some level so uh, fine let's do it before or after the service or let's try and make a way but i always just felt like for me to make a real push on this and conjure something up i just i'm moving in areas i don't even know that that are that, that are there so i've just typically said listen if a if a parent is really keen to do something public well, before or after the service, I would I would totally not, or even during the service, I wouldn't mind having them stand up and pray for their own baby, as we all pray with them. Just as yep. that, all that is is the church praying, you know. And um, but as soon as I have to hold the baby, and it becomes like, let me, let <laughs> I don't me like holding new babies. I'm always worried they're gonna cry or I'm gonna drop them or something like that. Well, I mean, you know, that's like driving someone's new car. You just don't do it. <laughs> no, well, I mean, look, I I like the sentiment otherwise, but it's just it's just that I don't want to give the impression that now me. You know, now that I've come along and I've held the baby in a public scenario with the parents, now this baby is therefore dedicated and sanctified. I just want to stay <laughs> right away from that priest thing, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's no water, there's no priestly garment, there's no nothing. It's just parents with their kids. Yeah. Praise God, you know. And so, I, don't, I don't see Jesus having a major problem with us giving thanks for that baby. Yeah. I mean, just to outline some more of the aspects of the theology of a baby blessing service is uh, so Jesus didn't ask spiritual uh, state of the parents. No. So it's not necessarily even Christian parents. No. So, and all Jesus did was pray. He didn't add any water to the child in any way. Um, and what would he have prayed for? Probably the salvation of the child. Mm. Um, and so what we do in our church is the first Sunday that the baby and the parents are in church, mm -hmm. there's a public recognition of welcome mm. to family and we, we, we praise the Lord with them. Mm -hmm. During the time of intercessory prayer, we make a special point saying, guys, we have this wonderful gift of a new child. Mm -hmm. Let's, together as a church, recognize this gift of God and let's commit this child to the Lord mm -hmm. in prayer. And mm -hmm. let's pray for things like their salvation, their future husband or wife, mm -hmm. their future vocation, mm -hmm. spiritual gifts that they have yeah. and, the, and the, the works that the Lord has created for them to walk in. Yeah. Let's, 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 these are all scriptural things that mm -hmm. we can pray for. Mm -hmm. and let's commit this to the Lord. Yeah. And unite our hearts together and pray as a celebration for what the Lord has done. That's it. So, I mean, that's my 
It's not a baby blessing no, service. No, no, no. But it is a moment of public recognition. Exactly. And against such things, there is no law, you know, yeah. is what comes to mind. And, you know, and yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much been our, our practice as well. Um, and, I mean, like, you know, I think if you get more tidy-whitey than that, uh, then you're all about like, no, you can't even pray for things, you know, as Christians in the church. And, you know, and you've got to, you've got to be careful where that goes. Um but it's walking that fine line between not wanting to create a, a, a extra biblical ceremony within the actual Lord's Day service and just then, you know, make sure that you yeah. are. And the big thing about creating an extra ceremony is you are forcing God's people to participate yes, in something the Bible is, doesn't ask them to. Right, which is the big burden. Which is yeah. a burdening yeah. of their consciences, yeah. which which as a pastor we should never do. It, do. it reminds me, I know this is not what we're talking about, but it kind of reminds me of the praying for people that are sick and, uh, you know, people that typically you know sometimes you'll go to an old church and they'll just okay we're praying for so-and-so they've got a little bit sick yeah we're praying for so-and-so also all right good and um you know this person is yeah and we sort of praying for each individual member you know that's not wrong i don't think i I don't think you can make it you know i know some people like mark Deva, if i'm not mistaken just don't do that but they'd be stretched to say you can't do that and so what that is is more just a matter of practical Right, we're praying for things as a church. What yeah. do we pray for? You know, I think there needs to be a feel of this is a family to some extent. Totally. So you know, the, but the point there is that it's not, there's no rule that you have to or don't have to. It's yes. more. It's it's just let's look at the situation. Let's go. All right. In light of what we have to do here and the primary priorities is what we can do. So if a baby's been born, you know that doesn't have, happen every day. Uh, it's really <laughs> not going to be too much time lost to be able to just uh, really publicly. Uh, affirm that reality and just Amen. not make not make a priestly thing out of it, but just literally pray for that that kid and and uh, thank God for that blessing. Amen. Uh, it's kind of like if someone had to get really sick. It's not the run of the mill. So and so's got a cold. It's uh, hey, this is this is someone that we um, love and cherish and is death deathly ill and and let's pray for them. You know, I wouldn't even flinch in doing that. Yeah. So it's it's just circumstance that you're taking the Lord as the church. Well, here's another issue. What gives your child the right to pray if they're not covenant children? That was a question I was asked in Bible college. You mean in the family setting? In the family setting or children in general. What gives your child the right to pray if you're a Baptist? If they're not covenant children, if they're not holy. All men are commanded to praise God and and pray. Yeah, so I mean, that was my response. Mm. So Romans 1, all men are obligated to give thanks to their creator. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. There is a creation that we are all born in covenant to God. Right. <laughs> in the wrong covenant, but still. <laughs> yeah. So they are covenant yeah. kids through the covenant of work. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. on top of that, uh, general revelation, conscience, and the Imago Day are the grounds upon which we rest for the naturalness of religion to be within every child. And so trusting in the Holy Spirit, yeah. trusting in the preaching of the gospel, trusting in the teaching of, of the way of God and the teachings of scriptures, we trust that our children are made to worship the Lord, mm. that it is right that they do so. We trust mm. that through the ordinary means of grace, they will come to uh, a true faith in Christ. Mm. Mm. Though we don't presume them mm. to be elect or regenerate. Yeah. But, but, but there is a naturalness that mm. we, which is grounded in creation. Yeah. And then added to um, the fact that the Lord, we trust the Lord works through the means of grace. We mm. we have a high sense of expectation, though not presumption. Interesting, because at that level, it's almost indistinguishable from a, a kind of Puritan Jonathan Edwards styled 
infant baptist well what position. it is is it's yeah. you know when we speak to children about faith they don't have to unlearn anything and they've mm. got all these natural dispositions that haven't been hardened in sin yet i mean they're sinful mm. and they've got all sorts of biases that tend them away to the lord but in many ways they're also still quite open mm. oh yeah um, and and that's something that we and again that's sort of family solidarity principle stuff. That, that's know. that's general revelation stuff. That right. You don't need to have a particular view of the Abrahamic covenant no, or kids exactly. attached to it for that to be true. This, these things are grounded in creation. Yeah, not you know it's yeah. interesting. I'm just listening. I remember going through Joel Beakey's, um, you know, and again he would epitomize the Puritan sort of approach. And I'm thinking now Puritan down the line Puritan, not so much Scottish Presbyterian and whatnot. Um, but, um, you know, he would talk about, you know, applying the covenant sign because essentially if a baby has been born into a Christian household, then providentially that means that that while we might not know about how that baby is going to end up uh, in terms of faith or unbelief, we do know that God has given that baby an opportunity of the gospel amen. in that Christian household. So for now, now, oh, yeah, exactly. We're saying amen the whole way, except he says that is the grounds of applying the sign. So we're going, well, providentialist argument. Yeah, we're saying oh. we just we just really don't see that angle. Yeah. It's just not. Like Fred was sharing, and he speaks with, uh, about Joel BQ with great but, respect. But, but what we are saying is we agree with what he's saying, amen. which is the irony, you know, and people don't realize that. So we we're actually, grounding it in creation, not in. In, we're grounding in the Imago Dei, we're grounding in the naturalness of religion because right. we've been made for it. So any bit of the theology of children that they might present at that level with that kind of theology is, you know, immediately just duplicated in, in our theology. But yeah, so you were saying about Fred? So yeah, Fred Malone, yeah. Uh, Joel Beakey came and preached, I think it was to a founder's group. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joel Beakey said, look, I just want to assure you, we do evangelize our children. Mm-hmm. So they preached the gospel oh, to totally. children yeah. as sinners urging them to trust in Christ. Yeah, oh, for sure. And so from that point of view, there is no difference. <laughs> exactly. you know, well, that's why I say, I mean, especially, I mean, it might not apply across the board, but certainly with that Joel Beakey styled Puritan, you know, um, uh, version of really that reaction against presumptive regeneration. They don't like that. And they've tried to formulate a version of it. You know, the Presbyterians hate Jonathan Edwards for really ruining their whole thing because <laughs> basically he, he did a Baptist thing within within the framework of, of their... Um, he was a rationalist. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, so there, you know, again, I think that's such a good point to make in that way. And even uh, this applies, I think, to Kleinian um, uh, versions of, of uh, infant baptism as well in that Klein's done something similar, although on the other end in that he said, uh, no, you know, the application of the sign does not mean you're in the covenant of redemption at all. Yeah. Uh, it just means that now you are assured that you are essentially part of the covenant community that will know, that will have access to the promises. Um, and, you know, like, look, to that we say amen. You know, they do. And amen. yes, they do. It's just we don't think that's the reason. You, so what, you what, do, we, what do we think about that verse 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 where it talks about our children being holy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it means, uh, I think what Paul has in mind there is Ezra and the the whole uh, background there, put your put your wives away because you're in theocracy and I'm tearing out my beard and I'm all irritated with you guys because what are you thinking? Yeah. I realize we've been in Babylon for a while, but this is inexcusable. And, um, and so in line with everything else going on in Corinth at that point where it was all about trying to beat your brother in terms of spiritual... Um, 
You look how look how much more spiritual I am. Wow, I even put my unbelieving wife away. You see how in in line I am with yeah. with with spirituality. Yeah, well, I put my kids away. You know? <laughs> and Paul's going, listen, you're all going cray cray. So your kids <laughs> are holy. You know, yeah. like your marriage is holy. And why would you leave if you might not be used to you know exactly. bring about a sanctifying influence? But he's just saying that in contrast to uh, illegitimacy, yes. um, not in terms of a salvific kind of. Um, sanctification. Yeah, so I mean, my understanding yeah. there is that the categories of holy and unholy in this particular context are more like the categories of clean versus unclean, mm-hmm. where Paul is making an argument on the basis of divorce. You know, some people, and, and I think what helps me to understand this portion is the very basic question that's being asked from a bunch of Greek and Gnostic-influenced Christians who are thinking this sort of stupid thought, which we no longer think. Mm. But this is the question that Paul is, is answering. So my body is bad, that's Greek thought. Mm-hmm. And sex is bad, that's an act of the body. And I've got to rule my body through the mind, that's Greek thought. Mm-hmm. Because the mind is the spark of the divine within me. Mm-hmm. And so if sex is bad, wouldn't it be twice as bad if I had sex with my unsaved husband or wife? Right. Paul's saying, no, guys, come on, yeah. it's holy. Otherwise, you'd have right. to get rid of your kids as well. Yeah, totally, exactly. And so and, he's, and it's, reverse, he's arguing it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Well, one something like that is is on the table, one way or another. And certainly, if you reverse that argument, well, you know, at the end of the day, no one's arguing that the unbelieving spouse is holy uh, in any reason, any uh, sort of grounds for baptism. Um, you yeah. know, which is which is the common retort there. And I know they would say that no, but you know. They refuse to be baptized, you know, at some level, if they're able to profess Christ and they don't, therefore that undermines. But it doesn't work because Paul's saying, listen, the whole thing is holy. And and therefore, very importantly, the husbands are as holy as the children are. Yeah, that's the point. So if you if you therefore can baptize your kids, uh, you really should be able to baptize your unbelieving husband, which, you know, he doesn't qualify for baptism. That's not the discussion. The discussion is, is it bad to have sex with an unsaved person who's my husband? Yeah. All right, so one more question for you. All right. So theology of children, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, Mm -hmm. for this is right. Mm -hmm. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. (laughs) So many issues arising. (laughs) Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the common argument is this, that here we see children being addressed. And they're assumed to be in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there are certain promises that are given to them, um, which will be true for them if they fulfill conditions. Mm-hmm. Is this a ground upon which we can base covenant uh, children theology? H- how do we as Baptists understand well, this? Well, you know, this is kind of one of the things. I'd like to be called a technia Baptist. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, technia kids. Child. Child. Child Baptist. Yeah. Because... You know, it, just to reinforce the point, I mean, I'm a Technia Credo Baptist. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, uh, I believe that children are in the Lord if they have professed faith, you know, um, and probably and quite conceivably that could happen at a very young age. Yep. Um, and probably normatively that would happen at a young, young age. You could even uh, grant that. But but so, um, yeah, I mean, that's water off a duck's, duck's back for me because um, I'm just hearing that going, amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is right. It's a, yeah. it's a creation norm. It's not. A, it's not only a, a redemptive. 
Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, look, even if you had to limit it to a redemptive norm, it wouldn't be a problem for me is what I'm saying. But all should, the more should, should that it's unbelieving a parents norm. Should unbelieving children obey their unbelieving parents? Uh, yes, they should. Because it's, so it's a creation norm, yeah. yeah. But I think in terms of um, just that blessing attached and the whole sort of idea there, I think probably he is thinking within the church in the Lord, uh, which is, you know, yeah. the, the area. So, so of those words there. in the land, we've got to be uh, a bit Kleinian and eschatological about those. That's a, that's a big one, right? Yeah, it's there. a big one, yeah. yeah. I'm throwing it in. It's like, whoa, that's well, a whole, you know, it's a whole episode oh, that's on actually what we should have. We, we said we were going to talk about the law. Um, this is one of the issues where that com- this is one of the driving things in that how can and I realize we're kind of getting into another territory <laughs> now, but let me just uh, put that out there for maybe we'll get to this um, soon. Um, how can Paul say that you know w- when he has the law clearly reflected in the Decalogue in view applied to the new covenant in a slightly different he doesn't say. Um, uh, it in exactly the same way that that it's promised in the Decalogue. No, there is slight. Yeah, and so what is he doing? Why is he doing it? Is there something about the law that is re-enshrined, to use Klein's language, in the New Covenant? And how are we to understand that? So um, a lot of New Covenant theology elements there, yeah. and Amen. you know it's worth worth thinking through. Um, but probably I can't even remember why that matters now. But it probably has bearing <laughs> on, on, on this. Um, well, uh, it's not a simplistic verse. Exactly, I think we can yeah. say that yeah, there yeah, are nuances yeah. here. There's depth here. We can't. Mm-hmm. Just have a quick boom here's a proof text to prove that children are all oh, children yeah, of believers yeah, are covenant sure. children yeah there's a lot of theology going on totally well systematic saturday you heard it here first folks um <laughs> tomorrow is um sabbath sunday Sa- sanctified sabbath. sanctified sabbath sunday and um on that same kleinian law premise fourth commandment means go to church and so you need to remember to do that. Um, otherwise, I'll be you... going to church. I'll be going to Grace. Oh, if you're in town, come to Grace Net. You will not. I can I can give the shameless plug because I'm not preaching. So, <laughs> but honestly, it's oh man, I'm so come stuck. and partake of the ordinary means of grace. It will be awesome. It will be awesome. And next preaching, which is also awesome. So come along to that. And um, otherwise, you know, wherever you are, just get to church. Um, uh, if you're in the States, find a church, get a church. I realize some people are in a hard place when it comes to uh, finding a church, but keep looking. Don't give up. Um, keep praying about find it. Find a church in hard places. Yeah, which is another another topic. <laughs> uh, bless you guys. Have a great Lord's Day, and we will uh, see you in the new pod week. Mm-hmm.